Before I get into the meat of the message, uh, I wanted to just pause and, and show you, kind of invite you in a little bit of uh, my journey. So every year, I take a few weeks off. Um, this will be my last Sunday for a few weeks. And I plan on the rest of the year. I plan out the rest of the year. So like sermons, where we're going to go, uh, direction, uh, big ideas for the, all of that. I kind of take it all on. So I work in the church for a lot of the year. And then I try to step back and work on the church for a few weeks. Um, and so part of that is I begin it by taking the next steps cards from the last year and praying over them. And I try to read through all of them. Every one. And so I literally have thousands of cards here. Now this isn't every, when you guys turn in a Next Steps card um, from any, this is all of our locations, by the way. So when people turn in a Next Steps card and it's like, hey, our address changed, that's not in here. Um, which is cool. This is like the decisions, this is like people um, wrestling with their faith, struggling with something serious, marriages in turmoil. Uh, like, I mean, this is the made a decision to follow Jesus, accepting Christ as my Lord. This is, I want to be baptized. This, this is all of the spiritual stuff. Thousands of these to go through, and I'll go through all of them. Literally, um, I'm having, as I've been sharing this in the services that I've been teaching in, I'm having flashbacks to last year when I was reading through them all, and I literally sat on my back patio, and I spent hours just crying as I'm reading through these and hearing, I mean, like, there are cancer diagnoses, there are addictions, there are marriages on the verge of falling apart, there are, I mean, this is full of where you're at. And um, I love you all a lot. And some of you have terrible handwriting, some of these, it's like, oh my God, okay. And so, but even the ones, like even when you turn them in in Spanish, I get those too. And habla uh, español. I very little, I very little Spanish. So I'll have to like, I use my translator to figure out some of the words. But I even, I mean, I try to get it all in as best as I can. And so I just want you to know I love you and thank you for participating in the life of the church. When you come regularly and you fill out the Next Steps cards, you literally are joining in in a conversation uh, that helps the whole, it's a part of the whole church family. And so thank you, thank you for that. Um, and even the stories of redemption and life change, it's just, it's incredible. So thank you for, for doing that. Uh, all right, for, for today's message, I'm excited to get into this. We have been, this whole year, we've been doing the whole arc of Scripture, right? So we're started with the big story, or the big story is the whole thing. In the beginning, like our origin, uh, where we come from as Christians, as Judeo-Christians, we know our origin, we know our destination, we know our story. We are not lost. So many people in this world are lost. They literally feel like they're flying randomly through space, trying to enjoy life as much as possible before they die. We as Judeo-Christians, we are not lost. We know our origin and we know our destination. And so we spent some time talking about our origin story, what happened, the fall of humanity, the pluck of the apple, literally my pride, my way, instead of submission to God, I'm going to trust in myself over God, trust in my own desires, my own wants over God. That's literally the, the pluck of the apple. That's what it is, me first. And so you have the beginning, the fall of man, and what that did to the world, what that does to us, um, natural sin, how it just it kind of poisoned everything. We talked about that months ago. We talked about the chosen ones, how God called out Abraham. We talked ultimately about how God established the kingdom of Israel. Remember when we had like the rise and fall of kings, how kings fall? Um, we talked about prophets and their role and how they played into the grand story. We went through all that in detail. And then last week, we crossed the bridge after the 400 years of silence and we moved to the birth of Christ. 
the power move from heaven, like the, the finally the most powerful being in all of existence speaks to deal with sin. And this super move from heaven was a baby born to Mary. The upside down view of power, how love, that charitable love, is literally the power that changes, that breaks sin and changes the trajectory of humanity. And then today, we're going to continue the story. We're going to talk a little bit about the shepherds, and then I'm going to touch just briefly on the wise men. You'll get more of that next week with Pastor Com. So this is super cool. You don't want to miss next week, uh, which will be kind of fun. So in this service, we do the Spanish translation, and so Com is, leads our Miso congregation. So we might have some like Woo, woo, multiple trans. It's going to be awesome. So definitely come next week. It's going to be amazing. Kam is going to be here speaking. Uh, but we will have the shepherds and the wise men, the upside down view of what's most important to develop in us. We want to cover that today. And then Kam will go into more detail on the wise men even next week. So let me open with this idea. The upside down view of what's most important to develop in us. We miss this. Uh, years ago, years ago, back when my, I have five kids, when Noah was brand new baby, he was actually playing drums over at the East Fishers location, so I got to see him just a few minutes ago. It was fun. And uh, when he was a brand new little baby, he's now in college at IWU, but when he was a brand new little baby, I sat down and I decided that I was going to put together like the mission, vision, rule of life kind of thing for my family, for my family. And being nerdy kid that I am, I decided to use the Westminster Catechism language. So I literally have this document. This is, I thought about bringing it and showing it to you, but I'm too embarrassed to do it. It's, I literally have a document at home called the Chief the chief end of the Kola family, right? Like after, after the Westminster Catechism, I know it's ridiculous. And so in the chief end of the Kola family, it's like, what do I want our family to be about? What do I want to value? What do I want to prioritize with my kids and my family? Like what's going to be the most important stuff that I make sure always rises to the top in my home with my kids? And so in there, I have a lot of good things. I mean, I grew up in a great home with really good parents. Both my parents are drivers. They're both kind of like type A, driven, Enneagram on, whatever personality type you want to use or tool you want to use. They're the very driven individuals. So like as a kid, I literally had, love you mom and dad. Uh, my mom watches online sometimes, I love you mom. Uh, but literally in my home, on my, in my bedroom, above my bed, they had the five Ds, like discipline, determination, dreams, like just a very driven home. Um, so that's the home I grew up in. I thought in my home, what do I want to have? So I thought, okay, well, I definitely want to have discipline be in my home. I want to get my kids up early. I want to teach them to work hard. That's a big deal. You know, it's a big deal to us. Good Southern, pull yourself up by your bootstrap people. You know, so in my home, I thought about that too, in the, in the chief end of the Kola family. Um, I talked about things with my wife like, Leadership. I want to teach my kids what good leadership looks like. I remember t- telling my wife uh, before, if you've been in the church for a while, you know that I considered uh, medicine, so I have some education, exercise science, before God called me into ministry. And so uh, I remember thinking, I want my kids to be healthy. I want them to exercise and eat right. I want them to learn how to read a nutrition label and understand macros and to know what it's like to buy like organic food. And it's worth it. It's worth spending a little extra money, getting a little better food to keep my family a little bit healthier. I wanted to have that all be a part of our, of our family deal too. And I even thought about like sports. I want them to be like athletic. And, and so I want them to be disciplined in their sports. I want them to be committed. Like if they're going to play soccer or play baseball or play football, whatever, They're going to be at all the practices. They're going to be the first ones there. They're going to work the hardest. Like, I'm going to make sure my kids are doing this right. The chief end of the Kola family, wear your kids out. Almost like, 
I wanted my kids to do it right. And so I got all these priorities, discipline, leadership, athletic prowess. I wanted intelligence. I mean, I grew up in a home where my parents were both uh, even college professors. They, they taught at the university. My dad still does adjunct stuff, um, even in his uh, older years now. He still likes to teach. So that was a huge deal in my home. So I want my kids to be intelligent. I want them to be educated, even for me and, and grad school for me. Like, I want to be educated. I want my kids to be educated. And in this with my own kids, I remember thinking, like, I'll do whatever it takes. I mean, if they're struggling in math, I'm going to get a tutor. I'll pay big money. Whatever it takes, I want my kids to be smart. I want them to be leaders. I want them to be influential. I want them, like, chief into the Kola family. Wear your kids out. But the real question is this. When you go through this story, which we've been doing, the grand narrative, what is the chief end of the human heart for the one that made it? Like, what are the things that, that God values most in us? Our leadership prowess, developing our intellect. I mean, like, what is the chief end of humanity here. So, like, what I want us to do this morning is I want you to think like a Venn diagram. You know, like a Venn diagram where it's got a circle and then another circle and then they overlap a little bit. So it's like the two circles and they overlap in the middle. And the middle is what both. So I want you to think like a Venn diagram. King David, all of King David's life, when he was getting it right, what was he doing? What's that part of his life when he was getting it right, like his heart beat as the Lord's? What about like Solomon when he was asking the right questions? What was that part that overlaps with his life that honored the Lord? What about like Mary, the mother of Jesus, and her life? What's the part that overlaps with David, that overlaps with Solomon, that's honoring the Lord? What about like the shepherds? I mean, God clearly has favor for them, which we read a minute ago and we'll read again. And what about even like the wise men? Like with all of these different people, when they're right with the Lord, like a Venn diagram, what's that overlap? overlapping peace in there. What is that? Humility is the light that shows the way. Pride is the blight that causes us to stray. Always. Humility is the light that shows the way. Pride is the blight that causes us to stray. With this in mind, let's go to Luke 2, 8 through 16. We're going to read the shepherd's um, now, again, when you're studying scripture, so like as a, a, a literary person, like even if you take a kind of a scholarly perspective, you're looking at historical, contextual, grammatical. You're asking those questions, like what was happening in history? Think about that. What's happening grammatically? Like what does it actually say, even its original language? What is contextually taking place around this story? So I want to pause before we read this, and I want you to imagine in your minds. Any, you guys here ever seen The Chosen? like the TV show The Chosen, are those not awesome? Dude, I've cried. I've shared this with you before. Like, I've cried through those episodes many times. And, like, so I want you to imagine the shepherds. Like, in those well-done stories of New Testament era, I want you to imagine. So in your mind, I want you to imagine, like, in the fields at night. There's no, it's not ambient light like a city. Like, you can see stars painting the sky. In your mind's eye, I want you to imagine like the shepherds are gathering the sheep close because you got to remember, like when it says they kept watch at night, the shepherds aren't snoozing. They're literally working hard because when do the wolves hunt? 
And so the shepherds are active, man. They're doing their thing. They're, they have the fire stoked. The sheep are brought in close, could be pinned in, depending on where they're at. If they're out in the fields, farther out. In fact, the phrase in the fields, they're probably not back at a pin. They're literally probably out in the fields and night hits. And they pull the sheep in close. The fire is stoked in the middle. They maybe have like a torch lit. These guys are vigilant. They're looking around in this night sky, painting it, looking, are the wolves, where are they at? we got to keep these sheep alive, whatever it takes. I mean, they're doing their duty as a shepherd. They're not sleeping around a campfire. They're working to protect the flock at night. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, Luke 2, starting in verse 8. Keeping watch, keeping watch. They were keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, man, I can only imagine. I mean, just do your best. Let, Lord, help our imaginations to work well this morning. And an angel of the Lord appeared. I mean, can you imagine? Like, they're there hanging out, doing their thing, and all of a sudden, boom! It's like, I mean, this, like, being of, like, light is, like, maybe hovering in the air. I mean, all their attention is drawn to this guy. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. That phrase is really important, too. Literally, not just is it there, but it, like, engulfs them. Like, they're surrounded by this, this like, this light, this power, this force. I mean, they're, they're caught up in this moment. And they were filled with great fear. It's literally overwhelming. And the angel said to them, fear not. I mean, all around them, right, like, they're enveloped by this, fear not. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. So literally, God is speaking the most important news to humanity to some of the least important people to go to a very unimportant place. He's speaking the greatest news to humanity to very unimportant people to go to a very unimportant place. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude. So I mean, you can imagine this in your mind's eye, like enveloped in this. I mean, just caught up in the moment. The angel's there. And then it's like all of heaven breaks open for a moment. Boom, even louder. It's, so now it's just like the whole sky filled. I mean, it's like you can finally see what's really fully there in a new way. And as the sky cracks open and now it's a whole multitude of heavenly hosts, they say glory to God in the highest. I mean, I wonder if it's like almost earthquake powerful. This is just thus thinketh the mic. I'm not saying that's actually biblical, right? But like you just wonder, it's like glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So it's like these shepherds are like, me, you're pleased with me? And then, boom, it goes out. It's all gone. The fire is back in the fireplace. The sheep are now in close. The stars are back out in the sky. You can only imagine like what these guys were thinking. They're like, did, did you just, what just happened? When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. And they're like, we gotta go check this out which the Lord has made known to us. God made it known to us. God let this greatest of news be known to us nobodies. 
And they went with haste. That phrase is so important. How long did it take them to obey God? They went with haste. They heard and obeyed. And found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Okay, a couple things from this text. The shepherds were enveloped. I love this idea. The shepherds were enveloped by the presence of God and told the greatest of news for humanity. So the greatest of news to these very unimportant people to go to a very unimportant place to see the most important thing that will happen to humanity. And the greatest of news is this. God is going to fix what only he can fix. Like, that's the good news. And this is true even for us today. Your biggest problems you can't solve. Your biggest problems you can't solve. God is going to fix what only he can fix. God is going to fix what only he can fix. So this does beg a really interesting question when you look at this in context. Like, so historical, grammatical, contextual, as we study the Bible. When you look at it in context, you can't help but ask this question. Why would God choose these people to tell something so important? Like, why would he choose these people? Why do the shepherds hear this? Should he not pick somebody else? But he picks the nobodies with no influence in a field And the evidence is literally just that they love the Lord and want to obey him. That's the only thing they got. Maybe you could draw this. Like well-intentioned Christians, Christians with good hearts, may believe what makes the poor shepherds important to God was their poverty. Let's try that again. Wow, I know it's been rainy all morning, and it's like first day of summer, and there's a ton of people traveling, but let's try this one more time. Well-intentioned Christians may believe what makes the poor shepherds important to God was their, right? That's, that, that's what we assume. So like some Christians are like, well, then if we want to honor God, we should literally just be in poverty. But we also know through many stories in the Bible, contextually, that there are a lot of people that are really poor, even enslaved, that can be rebellious to God. Like, okay, you ready for this? Even poor people can reject God and go to hell. So what's most unique about them, as God shows favor to them, is not their poverty, though God does care a lot about the poor. And what we do to the least of these, we do unto him. So like that compassionate heart matters. But the actual being poor is not what saves you. Not material poor, at least. Maybe the way to say it is this. The road to heaven is paved with humility. The road to heaven is paved with humility. Ego and pride lead to depravity. Man, in our modern day and age, and and I literally mean pride, not pride as in pride month, but I literally just mean the attitude of pride. The attitude of pride, my way, you support me, whatever, that applied to anything. A proud heart, C.S. Lewis is right is literally anti-kingdom of God heart. Me, my way, my pride, take me. Everybody love that heart is just not the heart of God applied to anything. This is not the heart of God. Ego and pride lead to depravity. And so the way to say it is this, right? Humility is the light that shows the way. Pride is the blight that causes us to stray. Whether you are poor or wealthy. Let's go to Matthew 2, 1 through 2. So contrast this idea, looking in context. Now after Jesus was born, so remember, we just read God is speaking and choosing and ministering to these shepherds. 
Now, in Matthew 2, 1 through 2, in the same grand story, larger story, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Right, so you have this other interesting piece, which is this. On the other side of the world, so remember the shepherds, poor in a field, chosen by God, influential people. They literally have a humble heart willing to obey God. That's what's unique about them. On the other side of the world was a group of, world, on the other side of the world, like the travelable, livable world, like, was a group of very wealthy, important scholars and spiritual gurus called magi. God also chose to reveal Jesus to them. These are the opposite of shepherds. They're like really well known in their area, really, really wealthy, really influential. They're the opposite of shepherds, and God chose to reveal himself to them too. Right? So, right, then you could do this. Well intentioned Christians may believe that what made the famous wealthy magi important to God was their. Like some of you really, even though you might not say it out loud, you might feel in your heart, God is going to be more proud of you if you're more influential. But we know that can't be true because of the shepherds. Or it's like God is going to be really proud of you if you're just in absolute poverty. Well, we know that's not true because of the magi. So back to the Venn diagram, right? You have King David. You look at all of King David's life. What was going on when he was right with God? You look at all of Solomon's life. The times he was getting it right, what was going on with him and God? You go to the New Testament, you look at Mary, the mother of Jesus. What was it that made God so proud of her? Then you look at like the shepherds and their life. What is the evidence for what made God proud? And then you look at the magi, the really wealthy and full of and you're like, what was it that was so unique and important? Like, what was the beautiful part in their life? And when you draw this Venn diagram out, what you discover is this. Humility is the light that shows the way. Pride is the blight that causes us to stray. That's what you find. Humility is the light that shows the way. Pride is the blight that causes us to stray. So back to the chief end of the Kola family, like the dirtiest document any young dad could ever write. So I'm using Westminster Catechism language. I'm trying to apply this in my own home, and I want my kids to be really intelligent, and I want them to be great leaders, and I want them to have athletic prowess, and I, I want to just like create these like super kids. And with enough discipline, we can do it. But here's what this reveals. Story after story after story after story after story after story. Here's what it reveals. If you raise a brilliant leader, if you raise a brilliant leader who is fit and highly disciplined, and misdeveloping humility and submission to God, you miss everything. You miss everything. You miss everything. You can't be smart enough to save yourself no matter how many doctorate degrees you want to get. You can't be wealthy enough 
to save yourself. You can't be famous enough to save yourself. You can't be poor enough to save yourself materially. Poor enough. What God desires is a heart that knows it desperately needs him. What God desires is a heart that knows it desperately needs him. What God desires is a heart that knows it desperately needs him. I'm going to invite Ainsley up and be done here in just a minute. So you have King David, and you look at all of his life when he was getting it right. You have Solomon, the moments he was getting it right. You go all the way back to like Abraham when he was getting it right. You go through the prophets, Elijah and the firefall and all those amazing stories like when they were really honoring the Lord and when they really weren't like, what were they doing there? Jonah. You get to the New Testament, you look at like Mary, the mother of Jesus. What was it that God made so, so proud? That we just, it worked. What was the, and then you look at like the shepherds. And then you look at like the Magi. And then you're going to look at all the disciples coming up to in all of these Venn diagrams. What is the peace? Oh, it's not, it's not having nothing materially. It's not having everything materially. It's not being famous. It's not being unknown completely. It's a heart that knows it desperately needs God. Moms, dads, like (laughs) the chief end of the Kola family. It's for my kids to know they need Jesus and love him. If they become wealthy, as long as they know Jesus and love him, that's cool. If they become superstar athletes, as long as they know Jesus and love him, that's cool. If they have learning disabilities and struggle all the way through, if they love Jesus and know him, it's going to be okay. The chief end of the Kola family is humility before God. So, humility is the light that shows the way. Pride is the blight that causes us to stray. It's amazing how you could even be a brilliant biblical scholar and if pride is in your heart, you're on, you can be on the wrong side, the Pharisees. Humility is the light that shows the way. Pride is the blight that causes us to stray. So here we go. I've got... Oh, man, you guys. I get to read a lot of decisions. Yours. 
I am going to, over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to weep with those that lost a loved one. I'm going to celebrate those that had new babies. I'm going to weep with those who can't get pregnant and want to, those young couples. I'm going to pray for you. And we already have, by the way, we have a whole process. These have already been all prayed for. And they've already, I mean, like our whole team goes through this and we put them where they need to go and you've been followed up with. But again, I just take one more time every year again and I go through them again in one big bucket, literally. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cry and weep with the person who's battling with an alcohol addiction. I'm going to cry and weep with the person who's battling with a porn addiction. I'm going to pray for the marriage that's on the verge of falling apart. I'm going to celebrate with the new marriage. You know, I'm getting married. It's so cool. Pray that our marriage. I'm going to celebrate with you. All of your highs, all of your lows. And then I get the beautiful opportunity to go before God and his word and just go, Jesus, help me speak to this. And that's how I write sermons that you will hear in two months, in three months, in six months, a year from now. They're birthed out of these tears and passion they're birthed out of this. And what I want for you more than anything else, the chief end of Trinity Church is for our people to love God and enjoy him forever. So God, by your grace, even now, I ask that you would help me get your love in to all of this and help me to speak it clearly. All right, well, you get a chance to add to the party today. This is the last day, and then we start saving up for next year, right? So this is the last day. Summer's here. It's here. If you would, pull out the Next Steps card, and whatever God's doing in your heart, whatever prayer request you have, if you need to make a decision, if there's a struggle that you're wrestling with, you can write it down, and it's going to go right here. It's going to go right here. And you get a chance to participate one more time before I go and put all this together. So I'm going to leave this all open-ended. Whatever God is speaking into your heart, whatever prayer request, decision, anything that's on your heart, Take a moment and write it down. And I will literally go before God and ask that he will help show his love into this. There is no other way. Go ahead and take the time and write, hey, I love you all. I love that I get to be your pastor. It's such a joy to have you all in this church, and I pray God speaks to you. Go ahead and write.
Thanks for listening to Sunday Sermon on the Made for More podcast. If you are not connected in a church community, we would love to connect with you. Send us a message on social media or fill out a digital next steps card at encountertrinity.com slash next steps.